This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about growing data maturity as an enterprise organization and how to build a culture of data. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Aaron Clymer, founder and CEO of Data Climber. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this topic with you. Uh, why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself and you know what, what led you to starting Data Climber? Sure, yeah. I've, I've always been interested in data one way or another. Um, I've been, my, my career has been 25 plus years in B2B SaaS software, mostly. Uh, I lived in the Bay Area for most of that time. And I was always working with data again, one way or another through applications, standard databases, got into more into data warehousing, specifically in data and analytics in the early 2000s and never looked back. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it started with really with me going to Salesforce and starting the data team there for about running that for about eight years and developing a methodology I really liked for actionable data, essentially taking action on your data. And then I started this uh, company that I'm, I'm running now, uh, which I've aptly named Data Climber. Um, <laughs> it, that's my last name, but it's a play on that word. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, the idea yeah. is that we're helping our customers climb the mountain of data that they all have and just taking, you know, getting the most value out of that data. So I've been doing this for six years. We're, we're a consultancy and really enjoying it. Nice, nice. And so what, what kind of work does the consultancy do and what, what kind of organizations do you work with? Yeah, so we're, we're solving that problem of um, not having enough data at your fingertips or available immediately to answer critical business questions. That's a c common problem. I'm sure most of your listeners are sitting there going, yep, there's a lot of questions yeah. I just can't get the answers to immediately. It might take me an hour or a day or a week, and that's just too long because I've got too many other things I'm trying to, to work on and I need to move forward. So we solve that problem by having um, implementing cloud data warehouse systems that will centralize all the data you need in one place, make it analytics friendly, and then be able to consume it self-service. That's really one of the keys. So 
business users, non-technical users should be able to answer a lot of their questions in a self-service way um, with this approach. Yeah, great. Well, yeah, so that let's get started here. Um, so we're going to start by talking about the modern data stack and, and how this affects organizations. So how would you describe a, a modern data stack? And, you know, have there been any recent changes that that might have affected this, you know, very recently? Yeah, there's some really exciting stuff happening right now. Um, I, I just love being in this field because I think we're finally seeing technology able to, to really solve the problems that have been attempted to have been solved for 30, 40 years now in, in business. The modern data stack, is, I would describe it as a full cloud, fundamentally different architecture to handling data, manipulating data, preparing data for business use and then consuming that data. Um, the, it, the, the same idea has been around again for 30, 40 years. You know, the idea is, hey, I've got all of these different applications I'm running my business on, different business systems that has data about my customers, my product, you know, my business. And it's really hard to analyze because it's stuck in those systems. It's not in one place. If I need to look at data from two different systems at once, it's just really hard to do if you don't have a data system to do that. On top of that, even the analytics capabilities that are inside these your, your business systems are usually subpar. Um, that's been true for a long time. There's just not a lot of things they'll let you do. They'll let you do the basics and they might you know have some, some things that work, but invariably you get stuck because there's some question you have and the analytics within the source system just doesn't, doesn't answer that question easily for you. Yeah. So bringing that data all together into one place so that you can then ask any question and you know, manipulate the data into any, any form you need to to get an answer um, is the name of the game. And that's been going on again for decades and decades in data warehousing specifically. So the whole idea of a data warehouse is you warehouse all your data and then you can do whatever you need to do. Uh, the problem has been for a long time, really performance. That's just been one of the biggest problems. Data has always been pretty big, despite the, this idea of we have big data now. We've had right. big data for a long time. And it's always been a problem because it's so high volume that one system, you usually can't handle it very well, or systems have not been able to handle it very well for a long time, which leads to, which in the past led to very big data teams being required to keep a system up and running, to optimize performance, there was a lot of data modeling that would happen to take large volumes of raw data and winnow it down into small usable chunks that could be actually be consumed by a dashboard or a report or a, you know, an, an analyst. Yeah. And that took a lot of work. Yeah. On top of that, the technology would just fall over a lot of the time because it would run out of resources and it would scale out. Whereas today with the modern data stack, almost all of those technical problems have been solved. And that's what's exciting. It's like, like the same business case is there to, you know, for the use of this, but all the technical headaches have really gone away. You don't have to spend six months now to design a system and make sure it's going to scale correctly. And you have enough servers or you have enough nodes or whatever, you know, capacity you need to run a system and you need to figure out how many users are going to be using it. A lot of that's gone away because the cloud has made resources essentially infinite. You know, you can scale a system as big as you want. You can add as many resources as you need to make sure it performs. And the technology itself is really much more performant. So I, I really love this day and age where we can um, spin up a system very quickly in days. 
um, at least get it going. Now it's going to take always months to actually get a system that's going to work well for you because data is still complicated. Yeah. Like the complication of data hasn't gone away, but the technology has made it so much easier to get going. You can iterate now and just very, very in an agile approach, approach data that way is rather than again, these monolithic uh, waterfall approaches that would take years in the past and take millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, is a lot of that predominantly driven by just cloud computing, you know, how, how cloud has kind of changed the data land, landscape? What, you know, are, are there other things that, you know, if an organization's thinking about making some investments in, in their data stack, is it, you know, is it a move to the cloud? Is it, you know, what, what are, what should they be thinking about? Yeah. So absolutely cloud has made this all available. So it's all cloud platforms that launched all of this innovation. And it started with Amazon web services, um, yeah. you know, snowflake, which is the, the largest, most successful cl- modern cloud data warehouse system out there right now that we work, we work with heavily came on the scene about 10 years ago, built on AWS, right? So they were able to innovate on top of the cloud and make a product that was like, unlike any other data warehouse, solving all these technical issues I was talking about. Yeah. So yes, moving to the cloud has, has just created this huge amount of innovative new features. And so what that's done is not only solved all the problems I was talking about, these technical headaches and so forth, but it's, it's opened the doors to whole new business applications that just weren't feasible before. Yeah. So that's another thing I wanted to get at with your, what's ex, what am I excited about with the data and cloud and what's changing more recently, right? In, in the modern data stack. Yeah. And that is that the, now that the data warehouse is in the cloud, it's fast, it's got all your data in it, and you can do all your standard reporting and analytics for sure. But because of the, because of the performance and the ability to handle so much more workloads, it's now um, companies are now really starting to drive their business on top of the data warehouse. And that's never really happened before. So at the, right now, what we're seeing is a lot of companies saying, hey, I have my customer 360 in my data warehouse. It's the only place I have a, a you know, really um, holistic view of my customer or my product. Now I actually want to leverage that data in my operations, you know, my day-to-day operations, my marketing, my sales, my customer success, everything. I want to, I want to query that data and use it today for, let's say, a new marketing campaign. Well, so we're now pushing data back out from the data warehouse to those applications to then operate on top of it. And um, that's something that we call reverse ETL or getting data back out of a data warehouse into a system. So that's an, one of the new innovations that's happening right now are changes. And that's just going to move even farther forward in terms of full data applications that run directly off a warehouse. So it's fundamentally changing the sort of strategy of data warehousing. Yeah. And that, that kind of leads to the the next thing you had mentioned self-service and, and things like that in the, the beginning of the show. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, self-service data democratization and, you know, obviously the cloud helps enable this because to your point earlier, a lot more accessible, um, things like that. Uh, you know, what is, what does data democratization mean to the non-data people like the marketers you just mentioned as well, as well as the, the data people listening out there? What, what, what does this enable? What that means is that you as a business user who is not necessarily technical, does not know SQL, doesn't really know how to access databases directly can um, go to a cloud application that's easy to use, makes a lot of sense, and can quickly do a lot of the analytics yourself. 
So you don't have to go to the data team. You don't have to call up the analyst and say, hey, can you get me this data? And can you help me understand this problem? You can do it yourself. So I, that's another thing I'm super excited about is these cloud tools have just made it. It's really more about the, the usability, but the fact that the cloud tools make things so usable. And you can imagine with the cloud, there's just, I'll give you a couple examples. Not only is it just imagine a tool that is easy to use and you can get your answers quickly, that's great. But say you have your answer, well now because it's cloud and it's just through your browser, you can copy that link, send it to 30 colleagues and they can immediately see what you're seeing. So you know, yeah. sharing data is super simple. And again, performance is really high. So it's all, it's all really amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I think that helps get away from the the anecdotal thing where you know a lot of marketers a lot of cx people are listening to this show you know you look at a number and and it sticks with you at one point because and because data is so hard to access or was so hard to access it's hard for anyone to kind of verify or or even you know find find a counterpoint or, or something like that so to your point here you know being able to share this stuff having it be easily accessible it points to Kind of creating a culture of data instead of anecdotes or this this happened this one time or or stuff like that. So, you know, to you, what what does a culture of data mean, and and you know, how would you describe that? Yeah, a culture of data is definitely the the end goal here of of everything we do, um, and that really just means that most employees, if not all of them, are using data on a daily basis to inform their job. You know. And, inform whatever they need to do. And, and it becomes a regular thing. It just becomes integrated in the, in the, uh, the behavior, you know, it's, it's a, it's a habit and it's been developed by most people and it's talked about on a daily basis. So it's just top of mind all the time. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do. Behavior change is one of the hardest things you can do with human beings. You yeah, know? Definitely. And, so, and the only reason it's, the only way it's going to happen is if it actually works and it makes sense and it's, it's, uh, actually really helpful. So all the things I talked about before, having high performance, you know, being able to go into a system yourself, not being technical, ask a question, and not only just one question. You know, in the, in, in the past, let's say ten years ago, your data team may have been able to get you a dashboard or a report, and that was a good first step because it got you some data, got you some visualizations, maybe it gave you a high level view of what's going on. But it was really hard to analyze that. You couldn't do that self-service. It was really hard to drill in. Yeah. You know, if you're looking campaign at campaign performance across the past three months and you want to drill into this type of campaign and look at the individual campaign and then slice that by a region and slice it by a, a zillion different dimensions, really hard to do in the past. But today, uh, a marketer can go and just analyze, you know, become an analyst really uh, um, directly in a self-service way. And so that if they could do that, then you can see how they're going to go back to the well for more and more and more. And it, it can shift the culture to be more data driven. Yeah. And I would imagine then, you know, not because I think you're saying the same, you know, not everybody is, is a born data analyst, but having, having broad access to it and having access to be able to look beyond a narrow slice of that information as well seems like it helped. I mean, that, and I think that's where like the democratization part comes in of like, again, it's not just, it's not even just one person on a marketing team or, or you know, some very specific team that has access to this. It's everybody can go in and, and dive and ask their own questions, right? Is that, you know, do, do you see that as part of the power of this as well? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, and, and 
one of the ways you, you, know, you can start to, to help that along, and it can be bottoms up and tops down. So from a tops down standpoint, a couple of things you can do is start just requiring data to be brought to meetings, you know, yeah. <laughs> requiring that, that data be brought to any, you know, significant decision being made and that you have, you, you su- you're supporting that with some of the data internally. And, you know, everybody should be able to do that. It should be able to come to a meeting with their, the data they looked at directly and retrieve directly through a, an easy to use system. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts. We've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. So... While I have somebody um, that works a lot in data here, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask some questions about AI, since you know that's on everybody's minds right now. So that's almost the obligatory set of questions here. But um, I, you know, definitely your your experience and your insights. You know, I, I want to get your your take on a few things. So you know, your previous experience, as you mentioned, you know, included several years at, at Salesforce, uh, leading the data team and and some other organizations. You know, it had you supporting hundreds of team members and providing them with with intelligence. So, with predictive analytics and modeling, how might some of that work that you were doing now years ago? You know, how how has some of that work evolved? Yeah, that's a great question because that is a really valuable piece of a of a full data strategy um, is to include some sort of predictive modeling, machine learning um, to be able to really get some insightful outcomes from your data, right? Could be actual models that you're running in production to predict, say, customer churn, could be customer acquisition. And amazingly, I still don't actually see that adopted very heavily internally, at least in um, small and medium-sized businesses. At the enterprise level, yes, you know, though, you know, there's enough resources and enough data scientists specifically or, or mm-hmm. machine learning um, engineers who are very specific, have a specific uh, skill set of statistical modeling um, to be able to do that and, and, and run those in production. But I'm not seeing a lot of it yet. And there's a lot of tools out there that's, and, and I think we'll, I think we're really close to being able to do that more and more. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen it. And with, with the generative AI that's, that's come out more recently on the scene, um, that's a, that's a that kind of a different animal. That's going to be really, um, that's going to be really interesting. There's going to be tons of innovation here. And it's it's coming fast, but uh, and it's hard for me to even predict where it's going to go exactly. Yeah. But you know, one of the ways that it's coming out is a lot of the tools I mentioned. These um, self service business intelligence tools, like one just to give an example, one we work with a lot of is, is Sigma called Sigma Computing. They're out of San Francisco, and uh, they do work really well on top of Snowflake. And um, they are going to absolutely have a 
a chat GBT like feature integrated in there. So you can just ask, Hey, what is my top performing campaign last week? Or who are my top 10 customers, you know, um, for the last month, things like that. And it'll translate that into the data that, you know, the query you needed to get to the, to see that data. That's going to be across the board for sure. A lot of the human interface, you know, is going to be made even easier because you can just interact with it just like you would with chat GBT. The biggest challenge of that though, is that the, data is very specific. You know, it's, it's very, very distinctly defined. Right. And so it, it, it mapping that to human language is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the chat, the, the, the chat or the, the bot needs to understand that, um, definition of everything. That's, that's the biggest challenge. So these things are never going to be, well, they're not going to be hundred percent accurate. And that's one of the biggest challenges because in data, you need it to be hundred percent accurate. And, you know, in, in, in the sense that if you have the data, and you ask, you know, you ask it a question, let's say about sales, you need that sales number to be correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different definitions of what sales is or what revenue is. And so all that stuff needs to be figured out. And, and, um, the AI is going to have to be really aware of, uh, what it knows and what it doesn't know in a way, which it can do to some degree. But right now I think it's going to be much more suggestive and it's not going to be the final, not going to give you maybe the final data set or answer you need but it'll get you, it'll help you along the way to get to that answer. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it, it certainly takes volumes of data and decisions made and, and all those things in order to make better predictions. I mean, do you think, you know, with the, with the larger companies, I think that's easier because they're, you know, especially if you're a B2C company, you've got a lot of customer data and a lot of interact, you know, transactions and, and things like that. Maybe on the B2B side, it's a little, you know, a little less volume there, but with a smaller, you know, medium sized company or something, you know, do you think some of the, do you think some of the um, challenge is just lack of volume? Do you think it's the a perception that they're more different than they, th the, they think they're more different than they are? <laughs> In other words, as, as far as, you know, a prediction couldn't possibly take into all, you know, into account all of the, the variations or, you know, what, what do you think might be the barrier to, to some companies really getting started with this? I just, I think it's more confusion around the technology and what's needed. Uh, there yeah. are products out there and I think they're just not widely adopted yet, but this is what we need. We need a product that's very similar almost to like a chat GBT or one of these business intelligence tools like Sigma computing, where you go and it's just very intuitive and easy to use. The same thing should be applied to predictive modeling. Because yeah. at a high level, it's pretty easy to under, you know, understand what a model should look like or what you're trying to get out of it. So an example, a very classic example is, um, say, predicting customer churn. So that's a, that's a big one. It's been around yeah. for many, many years. All you really want to do is ask your data system, hey, can you tell me the top five reasons people are leaving or my customers are leaving? That's what you're trying to get at. And the way that works under the covers, again, at a high level, is pretty simple. It, it, it only requires um, the system to understand what leaving means. So how do you define when a customer has left or churned? And then um, what are some of the possible data points you have that could explain that, right? And so yeah. the rest of it is all mechanical. It's all, um, okay, let's just define 5, 10, 15 different metrics that could explain customer churn. Let's run it through a regression model and there's all sorts of pitfalls in the statistics in the, like in the math basically in yeah. the stats itself but a, a system can manage that right it can figure out well 
in your case, if you ask that question, I can't give you an answer because you're, you know, you don't have enough data and it could tell you that, right? Yeah. Or you could say, well, with your amount of data, here's the error range in the answer. The answer is, you know, has a 20% error bar because you don't have enough data to get it down before, you know, lower than yeah. that. Or it could tell you there's, you, you said maybe these three things are predictive, but the data you have for those three things is so sparse that it's not, it's not quality. You know, there's all these like quality yeah. checks that a, that a, a piece of software could do for you. So we got to get to the place where all the technical headaches, just like in data warehousing have been solved. And you can just ask that question and it'll tell you if you can or cannot get an answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's helpful. And so, you know, there, there is certainly a lot of talk about things like chat GPT gets a lot of the, the oxygen I would say, but you know, there's a lot of talk about a, many different aspects of AI these days. What do you think is not getting uh, talked about enough that maybe businesses, you know, leaders and, and execs should be thinking about a little bit more? Well, when it comes to, yeah, machine learning, AI, all that stuff, I think it's, it's more about kind of what I was getting at with the, with the accuracy of it, right? I would just yep. be hesitant to think that we can just throw this technology on top of data and it's just going to work. You know, for the for a long time, there's there's been one BI tool that has tried to do this uh, called ThoughtSpot, where the whole idea was a natural language interface where you could just ask questions of your data to get these answers, and it'll help you and kind of prompt you through more and more filters and slices and dices of your data to get to your your answer. And it, it's just that fundamental problem that that company has been very successful. However, there's a lot of work under the covers to get it to work well because you have to really define your data and structure it in a way that's easy to consume mm. and easy yeah. for the, uh, the application to understand. It's going to be the same thing with AI. So I think the question is really that, that maybe we're not asking enough of is, A, what do I need to do to be able to actually get some value out of AI? Because there's, there's still going to be a lot of prep work, if you will. So prepping right. data to make this right. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of um, things that still have to be done that we're not probably thinking about directly. I mean, we at Data Climber are, because that's what we do, but um, an executive right. may not be thinking about the fact that there's still a lot of challenges to doing it right. And again, um, having being able to, way to have a distinction between what is the 100% accurate answer in the data and what is directionally correct, because the way you ask the question, you know, I don't know, led to a not not a perfect a perfect answer. Right. So, Aaron, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, I've got one last question before we wrap up here. So, going back to the the topic of data maturity and and everything, what's what's one piece of advice that you would have for marketing leaders and, and other non technology executives that they could do today uh, to make a first or maybe a next step towards greater data maturity? Yeah, so 100% it is to look at implementing a modern cloud data warehouse and a, a full stack to be able to do this stuff. And, and it, even that may sound intimidating, but it the technology is so straightforward now that it's very easy to put that together and get it running. And the beautiful thing is, because of, of what I mentioned before about it being so flexible and, and agile, you can really approach it in a fully agile way. So you can pick off just one use case or one data set and keep it really simple to start. And, you know, within weeks, you can probably have a solution that's getting you the answers that you weren't able to get before, or you're getting them much faster than you were able to get before. 
So what I, what I would do is first map out a very specific business problem you're trying to solve, you know, go look at your OKRs, go look at goals that are really, really hot, you know, very important and quickly, you know, look at what kind of data you need to get an answer to those goals. What kind of KPIs do you need to, you know, generate to get to an answer? And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, those KPIs will only require one or two data sources to get the data, you know, to generate the KPI. And you can do that. So you can do these small little bite-sized projects that don't take a huge amount of effort or time and see the value quickly. And then you can iterate and you can just keep iterating, you know, for a long time. But it, it's it's really nice that you can approach it in this agile approach these days. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, again, I'd like to thank Aaron Clymer, founder and CEO at Data Climber, for joining the show. You can learn more about Aaron and Data Climber by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.